0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. Welcome to the show. We appreciate you greatly, and please do us a favor: subscribe to the pod for us. Uh, Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever works best for you. John, how was the bye week, my man? You stay out of trouble? It was
1: yeah, it was good. It was nice and relaxing. Didn't have to didn't have to watch any games for work. Not that it's necessarily work to watch the Broncos play, but just watch Red Zone on Sunday. It was nice to switch up.
0: Yeah, I made a random road trip to Buffalo uh, and watched the Bills Colts game. And as a incognito Patriots fan in that crowd, <laughs> it was uh, it was amazing. Good game to be at. My
1: they goodness.
0: were drowning in their own tears. Those fans, those poor Bills fans. <laughs> um, but no, that we're not. We're not here to lament the poor Buffalo Bills fans and the Patriots coming right up on them again in the AFC East. Poor Bills. Uh, no, we're here to talk about the Broncos, John. And the Broncos have made some moves and they've given us some uh, co- some content to talk about right out of the bye week, right? Extending a pair of their wide receivers, Tim Patrick gets a three-year, thirty million dollar uh, extension first, and then recently, Cortland Sutton, four years, sixty million. What's just your, your leadoff take on those guys getting locked up?
1: Yeah, I was really happy about it when I saw the Tim Patrick deal when the numbers came out. Like, I think he could earn up. Like, if he makes the Pro Bowl and stuff, it could be like upwards of thirty-five. But, like, who knows if he'll reach that. Just the base value of it of basically $10 million a year, I was very pleased with that because Patrick, even though he's, like, their third-string receiver, I feel like if he had hit free agency, there are a lot of teams that need wide receivers that would make him their number two or even maybe number one. And they would have had to pay him like that if he hit the free agent market. So I was very happy that they got the deal done during the season because I think they got a bargain doing it that way. And then right after that happened, I saw people on Twitter like, what does this mean for Cortland Sutton? Does this mean the Broncos are giving up on Sutton? Will they not re-sign him now? And I was like, no, I don't necessarily think that. And then, boom, on Monday, Sutton gets his deal. And they asked George Payton about it in his presser after that. They are like, did you want to sign them both at the same time? And he said it was just a coincidence. I I don't know if it truly was a coincidence or not. But just locking them both up, getting it done in the season, I like that because I know for certain – Patrick, he could have gotten more than 10 million a year. And Sutton, I'm pretty sure that somebody would have been willing to give him more than 15. And I may be wrong because Sutton's coming off an ACL, but I just feel like if you get to the free agency market and other teams are involved, it always drives up the bidding. So I like that they got them done during the season. And like now they don't have to think about are we going to use our franchise tag on like Cortland Sutton? Now like the franchise tag is available if they want to use that for someone else. Probably honestly not. There's probably no one that really will need it next year. But it just it gives them some flexibility. It gives them security. And they already have Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. They're still on their rookie contract. So they have four, in my mind, really nice receivers for like at least through the twenty twenty three season. So I'm happy about it. I'm I'm very glad that they got it done. And like someone like Patrick, an undrafted guy, he's just such a cool story. I'm happy for him. And like Sutton, too. He he tore his ACL. And like back in the day, a lot of times that could be career-ending. And now a lot of times players bounce back from it better, but not always. And Sutton, he still may not be quite, quite back, but he seems like he's trending that way. So I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. So him bouncing back from the injury and Patrick just being like a grinder, just going from undrafted to being a $10 million a year guy, like uh, anybody will take that after going undrafted. So it's cool for both of them, and I think it's good for the Broncos' future outlook at receiver.
0: Yeah, Tim Patrick. Great story, good Bronco, tough, reliable, steps in whenever guys get hurt, right? He's just fantastic. Been, yeah, hands. Yeah, he's great. He, he's a good player. Lock him up, get up, get Sutton in there, too. As you said, for all four receivers, Sutton, Patrick, Judy, Hamler, now signed through 2022 and beyond your tight ends. Noah Fant, Albert O, your running back, Javante Williams. So you have that young core that we keep talking about, John. You have them set up for 2022 and beyond. And here's where my take comes in, right? I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence with George Payton as you were talking about. Here's here's my take. You tell me if I'm on to something or, or you're just going to shoot this down cuz you know me. I, you know I have my copy. I come up with these takes. You never know. You never know what's coming. Um, I think the Broncos are kind of building their sales pitch for the next quarterback. I think they're just they like, look, we got this all locked up. Look at our young talent. You know, as you've been writing on Broncos Wire John, there's a few different directions the team could go. Free agency, trade, I know George Payton's been doing his due diligence, checking out some of these rookie quarterbacks that could be available in the draft, right? But I don't know. Don't you think going in the draft again would be a tough sell to Broncos country? Like, we're going to do this again. We're going to groom the next guy. We already have Drew Locke behind Teddy Bridgewater. We already, we've already we already done this over and over. I don't know. I think Broncos country is kind of ready for the next veteran quarterback. So my guess is George Payton, he's planning to present this platter of young rising talent to the likes of Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo, whoever it is they decide to try to trade an extension or something for, whatever they could do in the offseason, I think they're going after these guys and they're developing their sales pitch. What do you think, John?
1: Yeah, I like what you're cooking, Ryan. I I think a lot of people are kind of thinking that that could be the strategy, and Peyton was kind of indirectly even asked that in his presser after they resigned both the receivers and Peyton was kind of like, no, not necessarily. We just want to keep these two guys. And it's like, yeah, okay, sure. George, like oh, it's a coincidence. I think he's, coincidence, guys. Yeah, coincidence. he's being diplomatic because he can't throw Teddy Bridgewater under the bus right now. Like, we're in, we're in the middle of the season. So I think he's not going to be like, yep, we're going all in for a quarterback next year. Forget Teddy Bridgewater. like, He just wouldn't do that. So I think he can't really say that's what they're doing, even if it is what they're doing. And plus, like, he doesn't want to give his plan away to other teams, even if other teams probably all probably have an idea like, yeah, the Broncos are probably going to be the quarterback market again. So I, I'm right there with you. I think that is what they're doing. I think they're building this – really young core that's going to be attractive in the off season. like the Seahawks are a disaster
0: they are I wouldn't be surprised a good, a good if, development for the Broncos right that the exactly, Seahawks is going down
1: exactly Russell Wilson just this past off season he had a scuffle with the front office and he wanted out or at least it was in his agent even said he was like uh Russell Wilson is not asking for a trade but if he was traded he would want to go to these teams and it's like what do you mean he's not asking for a trade and you're <laughs> releasing a list of teams he would like to go to so Clearly, I think this past offseason, Wilson was not happy. And then if you go through this terrible season where the Seahawks, they're very unlikely to make the playoffs, and then say Pete Carroll is out, like, does Russell Wilson want to stick around in Seattle and go through rebuilding and go through having a new head coach come in? If you're going to do that, why not change things up, get a change of scenery, go to a city like Denver, be just like Peyton Manning get plugged in with all this young talent and you're the guy, you're the franchise quarterback, they're ready to go. And to me, Russell Wilson is like the dream scenario. And I think the Broncos can make an intriguing pitch to him, just like they made an intriguing pitch to Manning. And I think the Seahawks, I wouldn't be surprised if they're willing to blow things up and rebuild. The Broncos, they got extra draft picks from the Von Miller trade. So they have like five picks in the first three rounds just this coming year. And then, of course, you can trade future picks too. So if they go to the Seahawks and be like, we'll give you a bunch of draft picks and maybe we will maybe we'll throw in like a Bradley Chubb or someone like that like that's super speculative on my part but like maybe they throw in some players to make it more intriguing like i don't know like maybe we should save this talk a little more for the <laughs> off season but i i'm with you that i think they are gearing up saying We just got to plug in a franchise quarterback. And I think you're right. I think it would be preferred to get an established guy like a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers, someone like that, opposed to drafting a rookie. Because, yes, you have this young core of players, but like Jerry, Judy, Cortland, Sutton, like take advantage of the young talent you have on the roster now. And to do that, you got to go get an established guy. So I agree with you. I think they're not saying that's what they're planning but I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they are planning behind the scenes. And I would really like to see it happen.
0: Can't you just see Broncos country, just rolling their eyes at like Peyton going out and scouting the Liberty football game or like Ole Miss or Pittsburgh or, you know, just scouting these quarterbacks, it's like you give me a break. We're not doing this again, are we? Are, are we really going to do this again? We're going to spin the wheel again. I could just, I could just sense the eye roll.
1: A lot of fans, like you're saying, rolling their eyes about these rookie prospects. I think it's in part because this year's class, at least compared to some of the recent classes, it's supposed to be kind of a down year for quarterbacks. Yeah. As some people don't even like the QBs as a first round prospect, like maybe one guy in the first round. And I bet as we get closer to April, that will change to like two or three. But that's in part just because teams are always desperate for QB. So I think because it's kind of a down year, like do you really want to use a first-round pick? Or even worse, do you want to trade up in the first round to get whoever QB1 is if he's not even as good as like Mac Jones was last year or like not as good as Justin Fields was last year? Like two guys you you chose not to pick this past offseason. Are you going to pick someone that at least like what the – Draft gurus are saying, like, who knows how it will turn out, but a lot of people expect this year's class to be somewhat of a down year. Like, do you really want to go get one of those guys in a down year? When, yeah. So I, I'm with you. I agree. I think you go get a, a veteran established guy opposed to drafting a rookie in a class that's not that, it doesn't seem like it's shaping up to be that great.
0: Who do you think could be next on George Payton's list to uh, re sign, John? You think there's another, a, any other guys that could be coming through either over the next couple months or maybe first thing in the offseason who i want them to resign is kenny young
1: the guy the linebacker they got from the rams in a trade they just traded like a, a six round pick to him i thought it was such a steal but if he's just a, a half season rental it's not quite as much of a steal because it's like we're not going anywhere this year so we just traded six round pick and they did get a seventh back so it's not like a complete waste but i feel like if you're able to re-sign Kenny Young and you got him on your team with a six-round pick, I would be very happy about that. I wouldn't be quite as glad if they just let him walk in free agency. So I think Kenny Young, I'd really like to give him an extension. And one of Josie Jewell or Alexander Johnson, both of them are coming up on free agency. And I think Josie Jewell would probably be my preferred choice. But you've got to have somebody capable behind him because we've seen this year that they, when their starting linebackers go down, they're just teams are running down their throat. So they got to have some linebacker depth. So I think one, or maybe even both, of Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson, one of those guys at least for depth. And then I'd really like to re-sign Kenny Young to have him be a projected starter going forward. And they've got like some restricted free agents like Malik Reed and Calvin Anderson. Guys like that have really stepped up. But because they're restricted guys, they can just slap a tender on them. So I bet they'll probably get one-year deals next year. I don't think they're necessarily going to get multi-year extensions. But to me, Kenny Young is the one to keep an eye on And I think it's going to be really interesting to watch what are they going to decide with Bradley Chubb because they already picked up his fifth-year option, so he's already coming back for the 2022 season. But our next like off-season or next mid like this time next year, they just re-signed Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. This time next year, will they give an extension to Bradley Chubb? Like I don't know if I'm convinced that they will because I like Chubb. He's a good talent and he seems like a great guy. But he's had so many injuries in his career. And his production, like when he was a young guy, he had a real nice season. But since then, his production hasn't been amazing, especially for like a fifth overall pick. So I don't think they're gonna be rushing to give him a big extension like they gave uh, Sutton a big extension. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they want him to go all or most of next season, stay on the field, show you can stay healthy, and then reward you. Like if we get in the next season and he's getting dinged up and stuff, I wouldn't really be surprised if they let Bradley Chubb walk, but again, that's it's kind of I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, projecting far out. To me, (laughs) to me, the guy to watch is Kenny Young, but that's my personal opinion. I don't really know how George Payton looks at it, but when I look at the list of guys coming up, he's the name that stands out to me.
0: Here's some fantasy advice from thehuddle.com, and then John and I will be right back with our questions of the week.
2: This is the typical sports book fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Wishing everyone a happy Thanksgiving, I'm Corey Benini of Huddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for Week 12. Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson at the Washington football team. It feels weird to include him here, because most people will suffer through his struggles, but the star passer has not gotten over 11.3 fantasy points in each of his two games since returning from finger surgery. Wilson doesn't even have a touchdown pass in those two games. The Washington defense has allowed seven quarterbacks to post 27-plus fantasy points in 2021, and five times the signal caller has accounted for three-plus touchdowns. This presents a great chance for Wilson to get back on track. Houston Texans running back Rex Burkhead versus New York Jets. No team has been softer against running backs in the last five weeks than New York. The position has steamrolled this unit, going for 123 rushing yards per game, the second most, and a touchdown every 9.9 attempts. That's the highest frequency. The veteran back saw a team-high 18 carries last week, but he did average 2.2 per tote. That said, 15-18 to 18 carries versus this defense would make Burkhead an intriguing gamble for your flex spot. Understand what kind of risk you're taking, but it does help a little bit after Philip Lindsay was released. Wide receiver Kendrick Bourne, New England Patriots versus the Tennessee Titans. Bourne has caught four passes in four of the last six games, including two touchdowns, and he has averaged 12.1 PPR points over that span. The Titans have allowed 18 receivers to catch at least five passes in 2021, and 11 players went for 17.4 PPR points or more. The Titans have been one of the toughest teams on the ground versus running backs, which could lead to slightly more passing from Mac Jones. Bourne has wide receiver three or better value in most formats. New York Giants tight end Evan Ingram versus the Philadelphia Eagles. On the heels of consecutive games with touchdowns, Ingram had a great matchup versus Tampa Bay, but was held to only 12 yards on two catches, despite being targeted five times. Veteran tight end Kyle Rudolph hobbled off the field late in the game with an ankle injury and his status for Week 12 is uncertain certain. What is certain? This is the best possible matchup for the position. Philadelphia has granted the most receptions and yards per game to the position, and a touchdown allowed every 10.3 grabs is the ninth highest frequency, coming in the volume of four scores over the last five games. All things Giants passing game amounts to risk, but there's plenty of reward here if you're willing to take the chance. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com.
3: Four seven zero zero in Colorado. All
0: right, it's that time of the show for our questions of the week. This is a new thing I do to John, where I send three questions at him in the second segment of the podcast, and I don't prep them at all. So, John, you have no idea what's coming at you. So, you're welcome. I do this to you all the time. You don't know what's coming. Uh, but here's uh, here's my first question. This is kind of a softball. I think you you have a take on this. I know which Broncos player is most deserving of a Pro Bowl nod this season at this point? What do you think? Who, who would you pick as the most deserving?
1: I think Justin Simmons, just from the numbers, he has four interceptions. I think there's a chance the Broncos might not have any Pro Bowlers this year, and I think Simmons, of the guys, has the best shot. I think Pat Sertan, just because he's a name, like he only has one interception, and fans will look at interception stats, but because he's a name and a first-round pick, I think he'll have a shot. And Javante Williams, because he has all those highlight runs, people will think of him too. So they might have outside shots even as rookies, but I feel like with sharing a backfield with Melvin Gore and Javante Williams' numbers, they're not going to be as impressive as they could be, so that will hurt him. And Pat Sertan, like I said, he only has like one interception so far, so that will hurt him if people are looking up like, who has the most interceptions? That's who I'll vote for. So I think Sertan and Williams, they have an outside shot. I think the best bet is Justin Simmons
0: to make it. Javante would be a lock if they just gave him the freaking ball. And, and Yeah, you know, check if, out if her... he was
1: the workhorse, <laughs> yeah. he'd be going to the Pro Bowl for sure.
0: Check out last week's episode if you haven't yet. We have plenty <laughs> on Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon that could uh, you know, get you ready for Thanksgiving. And speaking of the holiday, John, all right, this is, this is a, a non-football-related question for you, okay? What Thanksgiving Day side dish do you crave the most? Like, for me, it's not like the turkey. It's always the side dishes that are the most important part, the thing that I'm looking forward to the most – What side dish can you like not go without
1: Uh, mashed potatoes every Thanksgiving? That's crucial, especially my sister makes really good mashed potatoes. I know some people don't like mixing food. They like have it separate on their plates, but I like to put some corn and mashed potatoes and then some gravy. I really
0: like that. Yeah, no, you got to mix it up. Come on. And for me, it's like, you know what it is? It's the cranberry sauce. Now, I don't I don't buy it. I don't even know where I'd find it in the store. Like, you know what I mean? I, I just go to whoever my family's doing the Thanksgiving dinner. I just show up and I eat. But it's always I'm always like looking forward to this cranberry sauce. Uh, I'd never have eaten it, it with any other meal other than Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving leftovers. But I'm always excited to like mix up the potatoes, and the stuffing and the cranberry sauce. And it's so freaking good. I don't know why. It's like I can't touch that, though, John, outside of Thanksgiving. I don't know why. I'm
1: with you on the stuffing and potatoes big time, but I am not a cranberry sauce. You're not a sauce guy, guy.
0: not a cranberry sauce guy. I don't know why. That's just like that's just part of it for me, you know. I I don't know. Especially the leftovers making the sandwich. You can have the cranberry sauce, John. No? All right. All right. Agree to disagree. Um, you know, speaking of disagreeing on things, we've done plenty of bitching about the Broncos this year, right? I mean, especially me. Happy Thanksgiving, Coach Fangio, by the way. Love you. Um, but what what do you think Broncos fans should be thankful for, though?
1: Yeah, I think just right off the bat, like it's a given, of course, but like one, you just have a team period, like how many cities and how many states don't even have an NFL team. And not only do you have a team, like it's an established, like you've been to a bunch of Super Bowls, you've won three Super Bowls, you've got a great history. Like I know the Broncos have been through a rough stretch in the post Peyton Manning era, but like it could be worse, like the Browns how many decades of misery have they had? And like that the misery, lions, man. like that is misery find. Watch the lions on Thanksgiving. Like no, they finally, no, like that game, they have Barry Sanders. They accomplished nothing with him. They have Matthew Stafford, a really good quarterback. And now they trade him. And the replacement is Jared Goff, who is terrible. <laughs> and now he's injured on top of that. So it's just like, yeah, the Broncos aren't good, but it could be worse. And like, we got a team, we got history and, like we were talking about earlier in the show they have this young core so i know it's hard to think about in the moment when we're having a disappointing season but like this team does have a bright future outlook like they uh, especially if you plug in a quarterback like this team can go places and i think in this coming off season i think it's pretty likely that the team will be sold And it's just exciting to think about this. There's going to be money injected to this team. There's going to be new ownership, new leadership, a new direction. Like hopefully with this young group of players and hopefully they get a good owner running the team, like the Broncos, they could be on the up and up. And like like I said, like it could be way worse than it is. Like, yes, things have been rough lately, but they're still the Broncos. They still got their history and we still have exciting players, even in the midst of this disappointing 500 season. So I I just think we're, we be happy that there is a team and be optimistic about the future. That's what I try to do. I try to be optimistic about their future outlook.
0: I, I had a, a lot of that same stuff on my list, John. Ownership for sure. You mentioned leadership. I think the coaching staff is in there too, right? New leadership. I think a coaching staff overhaul would be really nice for this team, um, and really start developing this young core. And you know, last year we argued for weeks over the compensation for Aaron Rodgers or whatever it was going to be, right? Um, but as I said back then, it does feel like the Broncos are making smart moves and they're kind of on to something, right? Their 2021 draft class has been excellent, almost oh, across yeah. the board. You know, they're kind of setting themselves up to succeed. It's baby steps, baby steps, right? But like you said, young core, lots of draft capital to work with. They can trade. They could do all kinds of different things. I think they're they're kind of set up to succeed So I think that's why I'm most thankful. But, yeah, I think you hit on it. Just be thankful you're not part of this, what, Tim Boyle versus Andy Dalton early Thanksgiving (laughs) game? Oh, my God. That's going to be brutal. That's going to spoil dinner, that game. Oh, man. I I can't wait to see what the ratings are for that Bears-Lions game. That's going to be terrible.
1: (laughs) I'm glad you mentioned management there, Ryan, because I think one, like, I didn't even think about this, but, like, I feel like we should be thankful for George Payton. Because John Elway, like credit to him for getting them to two Super Bowls and winning a Super Bowl, but he could never get a quarterback. And like Peyton hasn't yet either. (laughs) Hopefully he does. But like Peyton, he re-signed Justin Simmons. He re-signed Shelby Harris. He kept Cortland Sutton. He kept Tim Patrick. And in my mind, they're all reasonable contracts. And they got them at a good time. I feel like right now with Sutton and Patrick, they saved some money not letting them test the free agent market. And like you said, the draft, his first draft class, if he drafts like that every year, like, they're going to be in very, very good shape. So I think be glad that it seems like like we're still early. We're not even through his first season, but it seems like Peyton has done a fantastic job, and I think he has. he's putting the team in a bright spot going forward.
0: All right. There was some positivity right there for the Broncos, but how do we feel about this game against the Chargers? Well, We'll see if we flip the scales there, John, when we do that thing. We'll do our picks and talk about the spread on Tipico right after this.
3: This is the typical sportsbook minute. Let's make this interesting.
0: What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slipping
1: Podcast, presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down. This week's Sunday night football game between the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens are favored three and a half. The total is 45 and a half. I'm on the Cleveland Browns getting three and the hook. Football Outsiders actually grades the Browns higher than the Baltimore. I think it could be a get right spot for Cleveland's offense playing against a banged up uh, Baltimore defensive line and a banged up Baltimore secondary. Nate, how do you see this game playing out?
2: So Baltimore averages the most rushing yards per game, and the Browns are giving up more than 165 per game. Give me Lamar in the points. Also, the Browns have not lost by less than three this season. Three and a half it is.
3: That was your typical sportsbook minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Colorado. All
0: right, John, the Broncos, two and a half point home underdogs against the Chargers. And this is a team that they own, right? The Broncos always beat the Chargers. But we were just talking about in our previous segment how George Payton's trying to go out and find that quarterback the Broncos have been searching since Peyton Manning retired. The Broncos still don't have that guy, and the Chargers do, right? Because Justin big Herbert time. is a beast. He is awesome. And, you know, it's hard to play man-to-man against him because that's what the Steelers tried to do last weekend, and Herbert will just run it. He he can run. He's a sneaky runner, and he's a really good passer. He's just awesome. He's a stud. Um, so what's your leadoff thought on this, uh, on this matchup and that spread two-and-a-half at home, the Broncos underdogs?
1: Yeah, just there, like you said, I feel like the big problem with facing the Chargers is Justin Herbert just taking over the game. I think the one consolation for the Broncos is the Chargers allowed like 37 points or something to the Steelers. So clearly they don't have a lockdown defense. So that gives you a little bit of confidence that the Broncos might be able to score with them. But then on the flip side of that, every time I say that, the Broncos offense has a dud. So like I can't put confidence like Teddy Bridgewater, I think you can win with him, but I think he's limited. He's a game manager and The Pat Shermer, the offensive coordinator, he's back this week from COVID, by the way. He cleared that. So he'll be back. He'll be calling plays this week. And just all season, I've been very disappointed by Pat Shermer. And I've just been disappointed by the offense in general. So even though the Chargers offense on paper looks like you should be able to score some points on them, I'm not that confident in Denver's offense. And uh, the Chargers' own offense, like you're saying, Justin Herbert and last week, Austin Eckler scoring like four touchdowns, like. They have a great quarterback, very good running back. You have Keenan Allen, a very good slot receiver. And the Broncos right now don't have their best slot cornerback in Bryce Callahan. So it's a kind of game that you could see the Chargers kind of beating up on the Broncos. But even as I say that, I just think sometimes with division games, even if a team's way better than the other just division games, you just throw everything out the window because, you know, maybe the Broncos just show up against the Chargers. Maybe the Chargers are not going to take them as seriously as they should. And Denver – They're like seven and one in their last eight home games against the Chargers. So it's everything's lining up. The Broncos should be able to compete like they should be able to have a shot. They should be able to have a chance to win. But I just even though it's only two and a half, that's not a lot like that's not a lot at all. But I just I'm not comfortable with the game, period. Like to me, it's a very tough game to call. I I could see it going so many ways. And I guess that's kind of a cop out answer. But I just I would probably just want to stay away from the game.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't blame you because it feels like a good spot to bet Denver getting points at home coming off the bye against a division opponent that it owns. But again, like yeah, like you're saying, like how do you how do you have confidence to bet on this Broncos team? You know, like how do you how do you have any confidence? We just don't know what to expect. Like and and here's the one thing here. Here's what I'm you know, looking at from a betting perspective, if people are are looking to do that. Like the Chargers defense, as you were mentioning, John, not good at all. They get after the quarterback, Joey Bosa. Like they get after the quarterback, but they're dead last in the league in defending the run. So can the Broncos take advantage of that? Right, even being a dead horse. Like you, you've been, you've been dying for the Broncos to finally just hand the ball off. What, what do you want? What do you want, John? You want thirty handoffs, right? That's what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, I don't think that's unrealistic. Yeah, you want that. You've been, at, you've been begging for that for weeks. Well, this should be the game to do it, right? Run the ball against Big the Chargers' time. terrible run defense. The Steelers didn't. Time. The Steelers didn't do that. They they gave it to Najee Harris twelve times last weekend. For some reason. The Chargers can't stop the run. So just run the ball. So I'm looking at the total forty seven and a half. And I think there's a chance that the clock moves and the Broncos come out with a run heavy approach. And the Chargers can run the ball too. And I like, you know, Denver's defense is no slouch. They're pretty tough. I think they'll get theirs. I think if I'm betting this game, I might take the under forty seven and a half. I might go under that number. And hope that it's more of a physical slug it out divisional you know run heavy game uh, so I think I'm staying away from the spread as you said John I agree with you I just don't I don't know what to make of this Denver team in terms of the spread but I do see this being uh you know a game that could favor the under so I might go that way
1: yeah you I could see it being like a 2017 or like a, a close like 21 20 something like that as you're saying Denver's they should just run it down the Chargers throw. And that's what the Broncos do best anyway. Like I like Teddy Bridgewater just fine, but he's not going to beat a team with his arm. you got two good running backs. Uh, the Chargers defense struggles against it. Just run, run, run. And like we we're saying, Austin Eckler, he can run the ball. He's, he's very good as a receiver out of the backfield, but he's a capable runner as well. So I, I agree with you that the game could kind of go, go by quickly. They could both eat up clock. So I, I think under 40 and a half, 47 and a half. I think that's very feasible.
0: So, Hey John, bonus question, because this happened right before we started recording the Texans cut Philip Lindsay. Should the Broncos have any interest in bringing him back? Was it, was it a kind of an awkward end between the, the player and the team? What do you think? Should he come back?
1: Yeah, I kind of doubt that he would want to come back after that split up. And I really doubt they would bring him back because we've been talking about all season. They have a crowded backfield with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Like they're split basically 50-50 on touches. And there's, there's no room for Lindsey at all. He wouldn't be involved in offense at all. And he's not gonna play special teams because he's never played special teams. And the Broncos third string running back, Mike Boone, he's on the roster primarily to play special teams. So there's there's not room for him in the running back rotation. There's not room for him on the roster. Like I like Philip Lindsay. Everybody in Denver loves Philip Lindsay. And I wish him well. I hope he's able to get things back on track and get rolling again. But I just don't see him coming back to the Broncos. On so like I don't think he would want to, and I can't see them having a desire to bring him back either
0: yeah we don't really need help in the in the backfield in terms of no. running backs but we do need all the help we can get in denver for the special teams so yeah, if you're not if you're not, not willing to help us thing. there yeah if you're not <laughs> willing to help us there we don't need you we don't need you uh so cool so good stuff as always john uh have a have a great thanksgiving uh, holiday with your family man thanks ryan you too yeah. enjoy yourself yeah i appreciate it and the same to all our listeners uh happy thanksgiving we'll catch you all next week